Okay. So hi everyone officially. I'm Rose Posok, your host of the Fashion Clinic Talk today. We here with our honored guests, Maria Costa, founder of Bello and Upcycle Back, based in London, and Hao Xiang Yang, founder of DWSWS, a clothing brand inspired by Chinese mythology based in New York City. As we're all living in the world of cultural diversity, the understanding of cross-cultural communication has become vital to build successful collaborations and establish businesses abroad. Both of our guest speakers here from Brazil and China have channeled their ways to grow their own fashion brands in London and New York City. We are going to start off our talk by letting the speakers share their personal and entrepreneurial journeys. After that, feel free, we will discuss questions and you guys feel free to come join anytime. All right, so let's start with you, Hao Xiang. Yeah, hi everyone. Can you hear me? Yes, clearly. Yeah. Uh, can I share the screen, please? Uh, yeah, you can share the screen. I have allowed this uh, for one participant share at a time. So you'll be able to share the screen and there's a, on the bot bottom of your screen, there's a share screen button. Uh, yeah, but I still cannot use that. It's so host disable participant screen sharing. One screen. That's weird. <laughs> Are you okay. now sharing the screen? Yeah, yeah I get it. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Um, hi, everyone. Um, my name is Hasha Yang. It's my Chinese name. You can call me Kyo Saki uh, because I'm learning Japanese right now. So quite, quite like, I'm just interested in give me some like Japanese names stuff. Okay. So today I'm gonna introduce my brand, my music and my like other works. Okay, so this is the content. So first part is personal info, and the second part is design works and some music production works. And the third part is like a feminist book written by me, which is will published in May in New York. And um, fourth part is traditional Chinese feminist art because I'm Chinese. Uh, and fifth part is herself TV channel, which is a podcast about feminist. Okay, me here introduction. I know it's like so long stuff here, but uh, you can read it. And uh, at the same time, I'll just talk to you what I'm doing right now and what I'm done uh, like previously. So uh, when I was in London College of Fashion, because I studied fashion design in London College of Fashion, uh, so quite like I'm the uh, alumni with you guys. <laughs> so, um, okay, so I established this brand in uh, like first year of my school. Uh, and uh, at that time, I just want to like express Chinese traditional art and philosophy and also like some like uh, the books, stuff like that to the foreign friends, <laughs> just like a simple, naive thought at that time. And um, later on, when I graduated from there, I went back to Shanghai and um, had my own fashion week in 2020. And also I was the uh, guest speaker too. CSSA, Goldsmiths, uh, International Use Art, something. And I'm not very familiar with that. <laughs> and, um, and later on, I just have some showrooms and stuff. Uh, and also I, because I was a editor before, uh, before I was graduated there. 
so I just uh, have some like editor works and also as a reporter, uh, I reported some like basketball games because I was so fascinated by basketball games. I know I'm kind of like, like look like a nerd right now, <laughs> but it seems like I have so, so much like fun stuff like previously. And uh, um, because I'm doing the music as well, I'm a freelancer, uh, like doing R&B and also indie rock music right now. So I was drawing, um, I was use Chinese right now. It's like a singing competition, which called Mirjuzi, like a Chinese, like, I don't know, show uh, for music before, just last year. And uh, also it's like join the Asia for free, zero for stuff like that. Oh my god, so it's like the design works right now. I'll share the screen for um oh. okay, so this is my works. Uh so this is a fashion show in 2020. Some like backstage recap and some like stuff like that. I'll just quickly go through the whole profile and you guys can just see that as a quick peek. Um, <clears throat> these are the second season last year. Um, these are all about like Chinese traditional books. For example, like the first season is Shanghai Jing, which is like mountains and rivers in Chinese traditional like history. And the second season is like mm, which is uh, quite like, uh, I don't know, vegetables and medicine, but it's also like from Chinese history. And uh, these are also the details and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and these are the consumers, consumers profile. I know these are kind of like, like I know limited consumer group, but I just, I don't want to like everybody wear my stuff. Uh, it's kind of like unique thing. And uh, this is their third season this year. Um, some quite like bamboo. There's a bamboo called Xiangfei Zhu. Uh, so basically it's like a girl, like she cry for her like husband and uh, seems like her like tears uh, on the bamboo, it seems like that kind of like this shape. I don't know whether like my explanation makes sense, but you can just try to explain and understand. And uh, uh, these are like the yeah, other words, and uh, these are some magazine stuff. Seems like that. Yeah, it's quite like simple, simple stuff here. Okay. Um, here back to here so these are my music stuff um because i'm i'm just like literally technically a true feminist as i think i think i i am so uh when i in the program in the tvc shows uh, i was just like trying to do a feminist speech about uh, how i can like relate the uh complicated relationship between girls and boys and stuff like that and love what is love and stuff like that but it seems like Chinese traditional men they don't like my speech because I I you know I just 
say some like shitty words in front of like all the people. But it's quite like interesting. Like every girl in the TV show uh seems like to hear my voice or hear my speech because they say like man sucks. I'm sorry, but it's like I I I did say something like that in the speech. So yeah. And this is like my feminist book written like last month and published in May. So basically this book about like three parts. The first part is poet. The third part is like some criticized thinking and critical um, like I don't know how to say like critical comments about the current situation from uh, the society and I'm observed of uh, in the second part. And the third part is like some uh, fictions uh, from my mind and stuff like that about girls and boys and men women and love young stuff like that but kind of like with feminist observation perspective and uh, about my podcast herself tv channel which is i heard from kitty that says some of you guys are interested in this podcast uh, so basically this podcast about feminist yeah as well so these are like uh we um had the interview like every week uh every two weeks about like the feminist artists or female artists uh from different like majors and different um works and stuff for example like we interview like tattooists we interview the singer uh interview the designer and uh, uh the uh exhibition the museum but they are also like running by female and their founder are all female and uh uh, these are two parts of the um, podcast. The first part is like we uh, have the list of the questions to ask them about their works, their situations and stuff and how they um, regard the feminist as what kind of thing in their mind. And also we uh, do their like personal info, personal works in the second part of the uh, podcast. And uh, we also like interview some uh, like pregnant uh, female like young women who are pregnant already and it seems like their mind and like stuff situation like has a little bit of change and stuff and also from different word um yeah it's quite like that <laughs> thank you everybody i'm down right now <laughs> wow that was very insightful information i mean like you know you've done so much like music podcast designs wow thank you and I, I do love like your um, design especially with the you incorporate mythology because mm -hmm. I'm actually doing the same thing with the Thai mythology and now I know who to ask if I you know so <laughs> thank you yeah. um so now let's move on to Maria so tell tell us your story Maria yes oh my god Honestly, after after we watch we just listen, what a superwoman. You've done it know, all. Right? Like it's all incredible. Yeah. Yes. It's really and super creative. Well done for your for your line. I absolutely love it. Um, so um let me share my screen for you guys to see. Let me see if I can. Oh, can you guys see my screen? 
Yes, all good. Yeah. So this is Valo, my brand. Um, pretty much who I am um, shaped Valo. So um, I come from Brazil. I'm actually, when I was little, I used to live in the middle of the Amazon jungle. Um, and that really shaped the person that I am today. I think um, when you live in the middle of something so beautiful and majestic, but at the same time, you see a lot of devastation and pain, um, you grow up with a sense of um, justice, you know, like I always felt really powerless. And even though like my background is not uh, as a fashion designer, I actually, I went to business school. I worked as a, uh, in supply in supply chain and in finance for most of my life, but I always had a passion for fashion and um, for the design part of it. And I knew that this is was exactly what I wanted to do. And for me to do it, it would only um, make sense if I was helping my community. And that's how Bella was born, um, a way that to turn to for fashion to governor change in Brazil. So less uh, less beauty, more beauty, less waste. This is our concept. Um, Bello is a British Brazilian accessories brand designed to be kinder to people and the planet. Um, we wanted to um, define the status quo of fashion and prove that you can um, change the perception of waste and luxury in the fashion industry. Um, so we create bold and versatile um, accessories that um, give back to the community every step of the way. We started, so this is my business partner and best friend, Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte is English and we actually uh, know each other since we were 16 years old. So this year has been 16 years that we know each other. And Charlotte is the creative brain of our company for sure. Um, and we together after she, so she traveled all around South America. And when she came to Brazil to visit me, we sat down and we realized both of us after the experiences that we have uh, working with impoverished communities and we, that we wanted to do something that could bring more opportunities and change people's lives. Um, so that's how we created Bello. But the way that we make Bello was to tackle two of the biggest problems in my community, which is waste and poverty. Um, I don't know like the situation um, in the UK or in other parts of the world where you guys, uh, are based at the moment, but in Brazil, we have a really bad solid waste management um, problem. And this means that the most of the impoverished communities in, in Brazil, they're the ones that suffer with the fact that the waste is just dumped. So uh, floods and diseases, um, all of these deadly elements that are surround impoverished communities, and we knew that for Bello to be successful, we needed to start by tackling these two big problems. So the way that we do it when we set out Bello was to make sure that um, 
our business model was like a, the, the circular business model that is applied to materials, but also apply that uh, socially as well. So we go from um, the linear model of take, pay, pay, sell and profit to take, pay, sell, profit and reinvest back into the community. Because for us, this is what sustainability means. Like you need to be profitable and you need to help the ones around you um, to make sure that they can grow with the business. So it's basically rising while you're lifting others as well. Um, so the our product is versatile, it's comfortable, it's water resistant. Um, all of the products that we have at the moment, you can wear it multiple ways. And we did it like that because we believe that we need to slow down our consumption and make sure that every single person gets the most out of, um, out of the products that they have. So our line goes um, from our little wallets to our big bags, and you're all gonna see like hidden um, functionalities to every single one of our products. Um, what we do is we, we want to take the client in the journey with us. So we want to make sure that they understand our supply chain. When we work with fashion, we know how unhumanized the supply chain is. People don't understand that there is people behind um, making the products that they are wearing, working really hard to create it. And we want to show um, the people, but not like, oh my God, look at them working, really unhappy, you know, or like really, oh, we want to show them as individuals, as the humans that they are, with dreams, aspirations, like how clever, funny, um, all of the artisans are, they are making our products. And um, so every single bag, it comes with a, a tag. And in this tag, it has the photo of the person that made that product, um, the amount of meals they donated with that bag, and the amount of material they saved from landfill. I will explain all the materials when we come to our supply chain. I left as a, a bit of a, um, a mystery for you guys. But we work uh, with materials that um, are designed to last a lifetime, but often they are made into products with a shorter lifespan. If you think about like how long does a plastic bottle um, decompose in the environment, you know, or for that matter, seat belts, you know, how long they take 400 to 500 years to decompose. And we don't wear them for that long, especially in Brazil, because you have to change the the seat belts every 10 years. So this is what we understood that we had to pick up this waste that was found in the community and turn them into our products. Um, we started with um, three uh, products essentially. So the seat belts, which is our main one. So most of our bags that are made out of seat belts and all these seat belts. So in Brazil, you have to change your seat, the seat belts of a car every 10 years. You're not allowed to reuse it. So basically people just throw them away and they either go to landfill or they end up in the streets or they are burned. These are the, the where, you know, like their destiny in life. So we pick up those seat belts and we turn them into our bags. 
The same goes with fabric offcuts that we collect from um, the fashion industry around my city in Belo Horizonte, Brazil, because we are a fashion hub as well. And uh, we also collect um, plastic bottles. And um, like, what's it called? Like inner tubes. So, you know, like tire inner tubes, we collect them as well because we make some products with them as well as our um, recycled fabric that we uh, outsource from a B Corp um, certified company in Brazil. And all of these materials, they are outsourced in my hometown. And we use um, people that were unemployed and they were depending on NGOs to survive. We created a cooperative with these people. And nowadays they collect not only waste for us, but for other companies in, in several different fields as well. Um, these are three of them. We actually have like in the cooperative 15 people working, but we started with just them. Um, so after we collect all the material, that's when we go into product development. So I know that usually we start with design, but because of our, fo our main focus is to upcycle these materials, we select the materials first, and then we think about how we're going to design it. And we do it in a way to make sure that we can make that design um, zero waste. So every single bit of fabric uh, of material that we don't use, we try to create other products and we make it in a way that is easy to disassemble as well, because our main goal is to make sure that we can create a second life cycle for those products. Um, when it comes to manufacturing, we started as well with three artisans and now we have 30. And they all come from um, the most impoverished and vulnerable community in my hometown called Cafezal, which is actually where my father came from. Um, so it was really important for me to go back to my family roots and to help um, my community, essentially. And we made sure when we were creating our business model to ensure that the artisans were paid a living wage and that everything in the cooperative was extremely fair and working in a way that made the artisans feel comfortable. They also, for the first time in their lives, they contribute for the government um, pension plan because before they used to work for themselves so they didn't have to and we made sure to enroll everyone so they can have some security at the end of their lives as well um so i don't know when i was talking to you i was telling you that when we create our tags we put them out of meals and this is how we actually make our community investment um every single bag um a percentage of the sales go back to the community and when, because I'm always there and I'm always talking to the leaders of the community, we wanted to make sure that we were investing something that was really important to them. And so we invested in Casa de Maria, which is an NGO that is the cornerstone of Cafezal. And we give them meals because they feed over um, 800 people a day in, in Belo Horizonte. And we knew that this money and the food will make a big difference um, in their lives. Um, 
so the end of our supply chain is what we're doing right now is to make sure that we can create a second life cycle for our products. So we just introduced uh, skin to our customers when they don't want their bellow bags and they don't want to, you know, they're not able to sell it. Um, they can give back to us. We give them a voucher uh, with 30% to spend on Bellow. And we're going to start experimenting and seeing what we can do with the, ba the bag so they don't end up in landfill. Um, at the moment, since we started, we have donated 7,032 meals. We saved from landfill 6,451 meters of seatbelts. 6,516 plastic bottles, 818 kilograms of fabric offcuts. Um, and we sell at the moment in Selfridges. So Selfridges is our official um, wholesale partner. We sell directly to our customers as well. And we make um, collaborations with other businesses. I don't know if you guys know Gahad, the jewelry brand we currently made like some amazing bags for them as well and this is what we've been so far so we've been featuring Forbes, BBC, Vanity Fair, Country Townhouse, The Telegraph, Independent, Hue Magazine and we were also part of um, Eco Age when they had their own like um, directory we were part of that as well and yes yeah, so this is Bello and this is me this is my branch. I hope you guys liked it. Yes, that was wonderful, Maria. It's so inspiring how you built this brand and just so connected with your community and everything. Thank you. Thank you. It was always something that was really important to me. Let me freeze. Oh, okay. Have I done it? Well, you're still... Is this still showing? Yeah, <laughs> but it's oh, fine. There we go. You can you can still share. It's okay. <laughs> Have I done it now? I feel like an old lady. <laughs> we can still see it, but it's fine. <laughs> okay. Sorry, guys. I'll try to get rid of it. <laughs> it's all right. I guess. Oh, it's it's gone. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I feel like an old lady. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. It was a great presentation, so we can keep having a look at that. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that was. It's really, it's really inspiring to see, and to see like both of you from different countries who are like making impacts and everything in different corners of the world. Thank you. And the the funny thing also that I didn't say is that we produce everything in Brazil, but our headquarters is in the UK. So when you're talking about uh, trying to break into the industry here it wasn't easy at all it wasn't um, we had to hustle a lot do a lot of markets like spirit fields and all of that but um, the fact that we were dealing with unconventional materials to make our bags and also had such passion to help the communities in Brazil that really touched people so even though it wasn't we weren't helping directly communities in the UK, they were still very much touched with the stories of our artisans and the volunteers um, from the NGO that we partnered up as well. How did you manage to like set up and manage the business supply chain since you're basically your community are based in Brazil, but 
you're you know, selling in basic Birmingham? Like, how do you manage that? So actually, I just moved. So I moved um, last year in August. Um, so the whole time that we were developing the supply chain to actually launch the brand. So we officially launched this year um, before we were doing markets and we were doing um, a lot of um, testing, you know, uh, a lot of market research. We would sell in those markets and ask people, see how, you know, what they think was good about the product, what wasn't before we actually had like a proper launch so i did stay in brazil um three years you know i i, I postponed mo moved to the the uk for three years to make sure that we were able to develop not only the products but our supply chain and now we have people that work for us over there and are able to manage everything and i do go a lot like i went in january to oversee our projects to see how the cooperative was doing, you know, go to the um, to the um, to the NGO as well that we help. Um, so yeah, no, it is really important for you to be present. You know, it's um, you you can't do that managing everything always. You know, um, remotely, that's for sure. Yeah. A lot of us in our program like are aspired to work like with the communities based in their hometown, but still like even in our master's project, we're struggling to plan like, wait, how much time do we need to go back home? When how long do we need to establish connections or build relationships with our partners? Especially like we like we we want to work with communities, but it's not that easy, definitely. And it just you manage to pull it off and now, you know, set up two branches. In, in Brazil, not branches, but like, you know, like your, your production's yeah. there and now you moved here. So we definitely like, you know, need to plan yeah. that out and learn from you from that. <laughs> it is it is possible, but like you said, I think the most important, if you really want to make an impact, is to build relationships with your community. And um, that's number one, always. And truly understand what their needs are and what their talents are. So for us was, because we're working with unusual materials that require different types of machinery and expertise. So understanding how we can bring that um, talent with our artisans, you know, what we would have to do to support them and how we could support the community as well and breaking down the barriers. I don't know how other communities all over the world, but in Brazil, people are very much guarded and sometimes it's hard to access. So you really need to, yeah, to break down those barriers if you if you want to make a, a, a true positive impact. Really invest in the communities, time as well. Mm. Right. So I would love to chat more, but we have to get into the, the juicy topics of cultural diversity. So we, the fashion clinic, have uh, come up with um, several questions that we'd like to ask you about cultural diversity issues since you're abroad, like, you know, running businesses abroad. So um, here are some questions. So first one off, how have your cultural backgrounds and identities influenced your approaches to fashion design and businesses? Whoever want to go first? You go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, Marie's on mute already. She's okay. Oh, yeah. right. no, oh, just, like, I talk too much, so it's bad if you. Oh, it's, it's all right. <laughs> I was like, why did you unmute? <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. You pick. Okay, you can pick. No, you can I don't want to pick. So anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to pick. Okay, I'll just go first. So uh, it's quite tricky to describe uh, how can I like explain this question because. Uh, I believe in Taoist, which is Daojiao in China. So basically, I just do a lot of like meditation and a lot of like meditation reading, like in the Euro time. So I don't, I know it's kind of tricky, but uh, this brand is typically just for uh, express the inspiration from Taoist, this specific religion, and also because uh, this religion in the Chinese history is main aim to. Uh, express the sustainability from the long, long history ago. Um, so basically, this brand is also for sustainability, which is I mentioned for like for free in Asia. This organization, and also we do the a little bit similar thing with Maria because we do a lot of like cut off fabrics to like uh, redo the clothes for next season, something like that. And also we uh every SKU every style for the clothing we just do like five to ten pieces and uh once it's like sold out it's just sold out we won't do like uh many clothes again because uh, we don't want to stock closing and we don't want to like waste closing and um and um for the podcast because i'm doing the sustainability thing so we are like more focus on how sustainability can relate it to fashion and relate it to female it's like a specific group of people. So basically, yeah, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like that. <laughs> so since your brand was so sustainable yeah. and it's Chinese mm -hmm. mythology inspired, mm -hmm. was it like the origin of like the culture, the Chinese culture and the Taoism that inspires you mm -hmm. to build the brand? Mm -hmm. Like originally, mm -hmm. is that how it started? And it's like Taoism mm -hmm. like inspired you for the, the sustainability or it's more like this, like, you know, the the global happening like what was the inspiration at the beginning mm. yeah just, just because of the taoist and meditation because i'm doing like kind of tarot card reading in the euro time because i yeah i, I already like do the meditation the tarot card reading for like seven years from since i am well, i was in high school or something so basically meditation is part of like what the most important thing of my daily routine so basically taoist uh technically is the inspiration for my brand Oh. All right. How about um how about you, Maria? So just going back, can you repeat the question again just to make sure that I sure. Um well you have you have answered quite a few as well, but just, um how have your cultural backgrounds and identities influences your approach to fashion design and businesses? Yeah. So um Brazilian culture are very warm and we are very like we uh, I don't know the word is aggregate or what, like you know like we always bring people close you know like we we love to celebrate everything is a celebration and I think that really influenced the way that Charlotte and I do business and how we um and how we design as well. We celebrate the, the culture in our company is to make sure that we celebrate every single person and every single person has a voice. So from um, 
the seamstress that only does like a little bit on our bags to the ones that like the hat um, seamstress that helps us prototype, they all have an input and um, we all brainstorm together and collaborate to make our products the best way possible. Um, and also, for example, we made um, we make collections that are inspired in Brazilian art, or we did one inspired in Brazilian carnival because in Recife, oh. it was the first carnival in the world that was sustainable. So they did all the that all the decorations and the costumes, everything with offcuts and upcycled uh, oh. materials which was incredible. So we decided to celebrate that and also shed light on our culture, you know? So we, we are very proud British and we are very proud Brazilians. And we always try to incorporate that into the way that, um, that we plan our designs, but also the way that we do business. Like I'm very warm and I'm very like, ah, you know, all over the place. And, uh, yeah, we just, we don't try to change that, you know, tame it because we're in certain environments. Um, we celebrate each other's personalities, even though Charlotte is pretty Brazilian because she's very warm and, you know, she loves a hug. <laughs> but I was yeah. going to ask you, what is it like to mix Brazilian and British culture all in one? So it's like, it's a bit like, you know, British are well known for a little bit like cold, but well, yeah. you mentioned Charlotte, it's pretty warm as well. So I guess. Yeah. But, well, like but it, is, it is different for sure. And you need to know how to navigate, but you can't lose yourself trying to, I think that's for me, that is really important. So sometimes we want, we want to fit a mold to make sure that we accept it. And mm. in the beginning, I used to do that a lot until I realized that it was better if I was just, if I was just myself for our business as well, because I was like, oh my God, okay we're going to have our first meeting with Selfridges. So I need to act for proper, I can't do this. And, you know, and of course there are certain things you need to be extra polite because that's how British people are. They're extremely polite. We're, we're very rude Brazilians. Um, so you need to adapt, but you can't forget who you are, you know, because people love the authenticity too. Mm -hmm. This leads to our next questions, actually. You probably, you can answer that. So. We're just wondering like how do you like navigate cultural differences in the fashion industries like in both like um design and business practices as you mentioned like you authenticity is the key to everything right is there anything like worth like noting to like other than just being authentic because you know sometimes like like things in like in your own culture are considered like polite or rude but it's like different in like you know different narratives like do you yeah. like, you know, do, we, do you think like we have to be like cautious about it or just like go all in, like, you know, just be yourself? Like, what do you think about that? I think awareness is important, you know, like we we have, for example, um, if we have meetings with um, um, like Swiss or we had actually um, meetings with, um, we're actually showcasing um, in Hong Kong as well. It was important for Charlotte and I to make sure that we are aware of other cultures. So we were like Googling, trying to ask friends that we know that come from that heritage, you know, certain heritages and stuff and ask like, what is what is the best practices? What is the polite thing to do? Like, how, how do we behave in situations like this or that? So being aware is important. You have to keep your essence and be authentic, but you also need to be aware if, you know, something that you're doing 
could be something rude. But I keep an open mind as well, because I know that, for example, you don't know Brazilian culture. So maybe you're going to do something that I think is offensive. And I'm like, oh, my God. But you don't know. You're not you don't have to know, you know, like um, it's not. It, it, you know, it's not your job to know everything. So I can't be mad, but it's our job to know everything. So I make sure that I that I do. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't expect that from other people, but you have to take rates yeah. of your life. So you have to do your best and try to to understand, you know. I, I, find I used to work with them um, Japanese and they love sending like capital letters in my emails and I was like oh my god rude and they would recall them they're perfectly fine I was like okay like they're not really aggressive though I was like, <laughs> so you never know I guess they have different cultures and like emails yeah. and text especially in writing I find it like quite challenging because you don't know whether you know their facial expressions or the way they talk it's like it's like kind of like misleading yeah. oh very good yeah like <laughs> good. um Brazilian people, they're very direct. So uh, in an email, we will be like, hi, send me a copy of this. Thanks. Bye. In in the UK, it's like, hi, I oh, hope this email you finds you well, you know, like in sunshine, like it, they, you know, you have yeah. to, to be more proper. Yeah. In Brazil, it's like, copy attached, thanks. And that's <laughs> it, you know, like. <laughs> at it. Yeah. Let's efficient well now we know now we know the brazilian <laughs> culture <That's>... yeah <laughs> what about you Haoxing? how's the how do you like navigate your way in the you know the cultural differences in new york city you as a chinese designer like you know how is it like to work with like such a diverse you know city like that in new york yeah oh just for your convenience you can come just yan it's more convenient. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Did yeah. I pronounce yeah. your name correctly? Uh, I hope yeah. I already asked Kitty. I was like, Haoxing. Yeah, yeah, I know. Because my another name is like Japanese name, so it's more difficult to pronounce. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, so it's quite tricky for me because me as a person is kind of like aggressive and mean. <laughs> Sorry. So because uh, in my mind, fashion is mean, you know, like people are complicated and mean and like straightforward to say what, what they want and they are nauseous. <laughs> Sorry about that, but it's kind of like, uh, I'm getting used to that because when I was in design major, my teacher always said, you know, you do some shitty works, right? It's just kind of like forward and straightforward. But when you done something great, she will, oh yeah, fascinating. Yeah, right. Okay, so basically I'm just getting used to this kind of like straightforward way of communicating. I know sometimes it's rude and sometimes I'm trying to be like not rude to people because it's a manner for me in fashion, but I'm quite like, like okay with people who are rude to me and also an interesting thing is I have the uh, psychology qualification for myself just to like navigate people and like difference between people <laughs> and um seems quite like from my observation like people who are aggressive and uh, mean they are kind of like sensitive inside so basically I'm gonna just like like getting understandable for their sensitive inside and I'm, I'm getting like okay they're like sensitive so they are like kind of like weak so they are showing like aggressive things like that so okay I'm getting used to it and yeah and also because me myself is like a gender fluid person so um uh, although I'm not LGBTQIA the group but I'm gender fluid so basically I can like understand both 
female and male, they're different like mindset in their brain. <laughs> so basically, yeah, I think human being is just kind of like cheeky, <laughs> most complicated thing in the world. So yeah, so we're just like 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 transfer fashion or transfer the industry seems like to be more philosophy thing. Yeah, you can get used to it like from that perspective. And in your line of work, do you work with a lot of um, international people in New York or, you know, when you host fashion shows or, you know, run a shops or doing mm. podcasts? Like, how yeah. does it like working in, uh, in, in New York City? Because uh, different people have like different like ways for communicating with them. So I'm trying to like depart myself as like different characteristics for different people adapt in each individual yeah because actually i'm a i'm an introverted person in the daily life so quite like i don't like to talk to people so much especially one-on-one but because i'm doing some meditation for other people so i have to communicate them and use my meditation to influence them and for example today this guest speaker speech i cannot like uh don't talk because it's this the speech right so yeah You're basically the best <laughs> yeah, so you, you know although i'm an introverted person but i cannot like treat all the works at the same like same thing so yeah no well you, you don't you don't seem introvert to me but that, that's a compliment uh, yeah <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> and so let's move on to our third questions this is one is a bit juicy. So how do you define cultural appropriation? Is there any experience you have encountered with your own culture being appropriated? What did you, how did you make you feel and how did you react to that situation? You can start with, you know, Haosheng since you're, oh, Yan, sorry. Yeah. Oh, it's no worries. Um, so I'm going to be a little bit offensive for this topic. I'm sorry about that. Sorry, because I've been like, uh, it's just like a latest thing because um, last month, because I have the braids last month, mm. uh, but the braids is like kind of a tricky thing in Asia area because a lot of like rappers and also music musicians, they're doing like this kind of like braids, haircuts just for respect, respect this culture. But uh, I know it's quite like normal in Asia area and also for uh, Europe because Europe, they're like kind of like welcoming to everyone to use this kind of haircut to show their respect. But in America, uh, African America, they are like kind of like, um, like you know this kind of thing. Yeah, and also because uh, last month I'm doing like um design work for a studio, another studio, uh, at the same time. And um, when I doing the pattern cutting in the studio, there's a Korean boy just straightforward like broke the door and getting into the room and said oh you have to get rid of your braids because you are so like like disrespectful and also you have to like get rid of this fashion industry something like that it's kind of like aggressive you know it's kind Mm -hmm. of like none of his business because he's a korean and he because of his boyfriend is a african-american and uh kind of like yeah yeah it's like love blind (laughs) It's like, um, be, yeah, because I, I did the braids just because I appreciate this culture. Uh, I love African-American culture and I love hip hop music I, because I, I also like 
dance for street dance as well. So I don't think it's like a more serious thing in my mind. Like a But, celebration of culture rather than yeah. Yeah, I'm just about like celebrating and showing my respect to them. And but because like you know, America is like um only 200 years of history. They're like complicated history in here. And、uh, personally, I don't like America. Sorry, sorry guys, but I don't like New York. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, but but seems like it's not a appropriate way for a Korean to judge me, like. Like you are blah blah blah, and he said, "If you cannot get rid of your braids, I'll just punch you in the face." Something something like that. So yeah, I don't think it's like a you know, people something get their mind like lose their mind. So yeah, I'm okay with that. So I'll just get rid of my braids now because I'm I'm worried about my safety. <laughs> oh no! And I'm so happy you said that. Like.、Mm-hmm. That you have this point of view, like、mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I, 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 in my my perception of life,、mm-hmm. is that every single person they come from different experiences, um,、mm-hmm. different, um, they were raised differently, they have、mm-hmm. different traumas in their life, and that、mm-hmm. really projects to the person that they are and the reactions they have with.、Mm-hmm. Um, What happens in the world, you know?、Mm-hmm. And personally, for me, so my I am mixed race. My dad is black. My mom is white. My、mm-hmm. dad is first.、Um, my grandfather is first generation free of slavery in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.、Um, and for me, I I don't understand cultural appropriation,、mm-hmm. in the sense that in Brazil we were made. We are colonized culture, of course,、mm-hmm. but we are made of so many different nations.、Mm-hmm. And for example, one of the most traditional dishes in Brazil is called stroganoff, which is actually、mm-hmm. Russian,、mm-hmm. or feijoada that comes from Africa,、mm-hmm. uh, empadas that come from、um, comes from from Spain, panada.、Mm-hmm. So, I Brazil the way like when you when. You know, you were saying about、um, the,、um, you know how how our cultures influence the way I see Brazil、mm-hmm. is a place where we absorb a lot of culture, we celebrate cultures, and they all come together to create our own, and that's the beauty of globalization. If you are, if you、yeah. are, you know, like celebrating a culture with respect, you are actually. Shedding a light into a culture,、mm-hmm. it doesn't、mm-hmm. matter if it's not your background, because then、mm-hmm. we are always going to be in our little box, you、mm-hmm. know. So I'm not allowed to paint my hair、mm-hmm. um, blonde because because I, I I'm not European and I'm not white, so I I can't have blonde hair or straight、mm-hmm. hair because my hair、mm-hmm. is actually very curly, but I、mm-hmm. like to straighten. So、mm-hmm. I don't I don't I understand that some people have this type of views, but I think it just creates a world where everyone is scared to love、mm-hmm. and to experience different things. Exactly. You know? Yeah.、So、I I'm I'm really it makes me so sad、mm-hmm. when I hear your story, for example, saying that you went through this 
place and you're actually celebrating a mm. culture that you love so much. And it's like, for example, when Gwen Stefani, I think she said she was like, oh, I'm Japanese because I love Japanese culture. And she did like a whole fashion line and all of that. With, and it's all, it, for me, it's okay to mm -hmm. love other cultures. And mm -hmm. even if you make money, oh, but you're not allowed to make money. Of course you are. Mm -hmm. That's what makes the world go around. If we stop making money, how are we going to exist in life? You yeah. know? Yeah. I don't like, um, I understand if you're degrading the culture mm -hmm. and if mm -hmm. you're doing something that is degrading, but um, when when I've been to situations, for example, mm -hmm. that that was one time we wanted to do something to celebrate mm -hmm. the Amazon. So mm -hmm. I lived in the Amazon until I was 10 years old, in the middle mm -hmm. of the Amazon. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do like this painting of... Um, like um, with indigenous features, you mm -hmm. know, culture, like the culture that is, it comes direct from um, the Amazon, um, mm -hmm. um, the Amazon, Amazonian communities. Mm -hmm. And I received backlash because I'm not indigenous. So I'm not allowed to, to put that into my art. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was so sad. I was like, but I'm, you know, like, I don't understand. Unfortunately, I respect mm -hmm. people that do. And I wish people had the same respect mm -hmm. that I had. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you don't like something, I feel that we are so polarized mm -hmm. in the world that mm -hmm. we are forgetting mm -hmm. to come together, you mm -hmm. know, that we can mm -hmm. have different views and mm -hmm. celebrate each other. You know, that's that's my perception of yeah, what and You know, because um, about like culture, this thing because uh you know um two months ago like during the spring festival for chinese spring festival the time uh british museum like said the spring festival is a korean festival because korean registered some chinese festivals into korean culture and korean laws which is i think this kind of type things is not appropriate thing it's cultural appropriation but as for the uh, braids and also art this kind of like no boundary right. themes yeah we have to carry some love but like turning into the festival and also history and change part of the history is not okay for me yeah, yeah. It's, it's a tricky part in um creative world yeah. these days even for yeah. me myself yeah. like incorporate cultures in my mm -hmm. brand as well I have clothing brand inspired mm -hmm. from Thai arts mm -hmm. and I got like asked by like oh don't you worry about cultural appropriation mm -hmm. like, oh, mm -hmm. you know it's, yeah. I think it's like, kind of like stressing like to be people mm -hmm. to be creative I mean you look at the fashion designs earlier mm -hmm. in the day it's like people mm -hmm. like use or you know just inspired mm -hmm. by each culture around mm -hmm. the world like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like it just inspired by different like diversity yeah and now it just kind of be like super cautious about it so I'm glad we all agree the same page yeah <laughs> A, a formal celebration for sure mm -hmm. I was so nervous about this talk like mm -hmm. I was having a meeting before our mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you guys mm -hmm. said I was having a meeting before our talk today mm -hmm. and I sat mm -hmm. down with my business partner and I was like I'm gonna have to speak my mind and I'm scared that I'm gonna have some backlash if I say that oh, I no. you know and <laughs> oh, we're just no like let's leave mm -hmm. our life to what we believe in you know that mm -hmm. we have to accept others and mm -hmm. you have to speak what your truth mm -hmm. so do mm -hmm. that and I'm happy that we are all people yeah. that accept you know so mm -hmm. and I think I honestly think that we have to 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 speak our minds and not be so scared mm -hmm. 
know, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's how p- bigotry wins mm-hmm. mostly because mm-hmm. we get scared. Mm-hmm. You know, see, yeah, people use different cultures more. Like, I'm I'm happy to see people use different cultures from different countries. I was like, this is great. It's a globalized world. We're developing. It's like united, you know, united cultural diversity and just yeah. Well, I'm glad we're all on the same page, basically. So no need to be nervous. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think only this circumstance, like when people like said your culture is their culture, then we can fight back. Oh, but yeah. yeah, there's a what bottom line. Yeah, but if it's like a cultural celebration, we can just hold love, give love. Yeah. And stuff. I think the form of designs and like, you know, that's like that's like more like creativity and celebration, mm-hmm. I'll say. But if you're saying it's like someone's culture, then it's you know, a different story for sure. Yeah. So, hey, we have two more questions left. Mm-hmm. Um, next one is, how do you ensure that your designs and basis practices are inclusive and respectful of um, different cultural backgrounds? Whoever wants to go first. Maria? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go first. So um, it's really embedded into our culture to be welcoming to everything and everyone. Um, so the way that we do it is to make sure that our workforce and our partners are diverse. It's something that is important to us. So we always try to, um, to include, um, people with different skills that come from different, um, cultures, ethnicities, you know, even body sizes. We really try to, um, to have um, a conversation with people that are different than us, because then we can see their perspectives. Like, I think that is so important. Um, And we also in a more legal matter, like law wise, we have a code of conduct and it's part of our code of conduct as well. So even with um, the suppliers that we use um, in the cooperative, we ensure that it's all embedded um, on them and we ask questions to audit them to ensure that, you know, um, it's a safe place for everyone, you know, and when they are hiring people, they're not doing based on, you know, it has to fit a certain mode. Um, yeah, that's how we, we do it in, you know, practically. Yeah, that's it. Consistent auditing. And you, Hashing? Oh, well, (laughs) this, um, okay, I'm just gonna say some like tricky things again. (laughs) So, um, uh, as I can see, as I mentioned before, like I just do the meditation to <laughs> feel people, how people feel. So basically sometimes I'm just according to my mind, according to my meditation, something like that. So I don't know how to like, like precisely, clearly to explain the thing. But uh, one, one thing I can, I'm certain sure of is like, I respect all the culture very um Taoist inspired way yeah. <laughs> and okay let's move on to the next time we have so we have a little time for the Q&A after 
And so what do you think, um, can, what can the industry, the fashion industry do to promote greater diversity, inclusivity and cultural understanding? What do you think the fashion industry could change to do better in that aspects? It's like, first of all, just like- Stop being hypocritical. Yeah. Stop being hypocritical, stop the cancel culture. Mm -hmm. You know, like um, I see a lot of brands mm -hmm. that um, actually a major brand went through like um, a massive, like was canceled because of, you know, something really bad. And, but the, that brand was like seeking for everyone's forgiveness was the first one to when anything happened to cancel other people really fast and be, I feel that um, brands are very hypocritical because the diversity is not embedded into the company structure from top to not, you know, it's not only about what we see as a mod, like the models, you know what I mean? And I think that's what they try to sell it to us. They're like, oh yeah, look at us being diverse. We have a bunch of models, you know, that mm -hmm. are different than what you usually see as like the white toe blonde girl. But the reality is when you see like the, the boardrooms, you know, when you see the people that are making the decisions, they're all the same and they don't actually want to make a change, just do it for people to shut up. Like it's the same sustainability. Like I go to sustainability uh, meetings, like, um, you know, meetups, and I went to a convention on sustainability and they were talking about ESG, but all they talk about is carbon emission targets and materials, but what about the people? Why are you not including like social issues and truly changing like finding like the root of the problems in in with the communities you know and just um, and now you're telling me that you're going to stop like outsourcing bangladesh because of this this and that but you're not actually helping them with the problem you mm. know it's not about just canceling everyone it's actually understanding what the problem is and go from there you know but no one wants to do the hard work and that's how I feel, you know, I feel that's with cultural inclusion, that's with, um, oh, to make sure that the world is more equitable place, you know, like the, that the community is able to thrive, not only survive the way that they do, you know, but people only focus on the easy things, like which technology is scalable to make sure that we're going to reach net zero. It's great that you're reaching net zero, but what you're doing about, the kids that growing up with no education and have, you know, yeah, have nothing in their in their countries, you know, and you guys used to use them all the time because it was a cheap um, workforce, you know. What are you doing about that? How you're supporting them? So, I think that's the that's the way forward is to actually work on things and not being hypocritical. I'm just sad that a lot of companies are using all this um, sustainability or supply chains um, management to just kind of a marketing tools to showing their yeah. own their ESG or doing sustainable development. It just, yeah, it's just harsh when you think about it. Yeah, it's like um, I was talking to um, 
sustainability officer from a really big fashion athleisure company. And I was talking to them. So what are like what you guys do? What, what are your KPIs? What are you guys do in terms of um, social inclusion and, and diversity? And they were like, oh, like our campaigns now, you don't hardly see a, a white person anymore. And I was like, mm, it's not that, <laughs> you know? Because so then you look around the room and there is no diversity from the creative director, the photographer, you know. Some companies have this uh, DEI department, you know, uh, someone responsible for, you know, inclusivity. But I guess like you can only have like only big companies can afford to do that. Yeah, I, I, I need to look into it. It's just like all this, like, you know, you see all these like DEI reports from McKinsey and you're wondering, like, you know, how authentic they are. Yeah. It's like. Well, at least there's some progress going on. That's good. Yeah, it is. It is mm. indeed. At least we're talking about it. Right. And what about you, Jan? Oh, you're on mute. Can't hear. Sorry. Hey, um, back. Well, first of all, because uh, Chinese, like, you know, China is like kind of like, you know, not that welcoming for like, some tricky parts of the art and um, history and stuff. We, we cannot like freely speak out of our mind. We cannot like freely like showing like some words, especially like there are some like strictly like a list of the words that we cannot use and express and type in the internet. So I think it's already like kind of like boundary for the art and stuff. So I think most of the important thing for fashion now is like political for me. Political playground. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. Right. Great. So after this, we have some Q and A sessions, and we almost we only have like roughly fifteen minutes left. And mm -hmm. uh, I see if um anyone want to ask. So, dear participants, you can feel free to leave questions, or just raise your hands. We'll let you you know join the conversation right now. And just. Oh, look at the sun in the UK. Oh, wow. I'm ready to go back now, actually. <laughs> I was like hesitant because, you know, Bangkok is very sunny and I was like, hmm, I'm kind of ready. That's good. Yeah, but that's what the UK is sunny today, but tomorrow is going to be like a horrible rain, you know. It's the very unpredictable weather. I'm gonna oh since someone's asked questions, I actually have questions for Jan. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just wondering like because it's just, I've heard so much news like this, like, probably like sensitive issue, like, you know, with all this COVID going on, like mm -hmm. some people were heard that like, you know, sometimes people are, are looking, having this like negative views towards Asians. Like I, that's mm -hmm. what I've heard. Like, I, I don't know, like probably ask that, how do you, do you, have you encountered, like, is it like in the fashion industry as well? Like, how is it like? Well, uh, it's perfectly first fine. of all, yeah, first of all, like, uh, 
in the uh, previous pre period of time, I know I, I can admit that China do a lot of like great things for controlling the you know pandemic thing. Yeah, and also, but in later on, like last year in Shanghai, there are like there is a three months period of locking the city for Shanghai. So basically, people are just like avoid to talking the things in our internet, and we don't allow to talking this kind of thing in the internet. Although we wanna like express our mind, express our like comments and critical thinking stuff like that, but we are not allowed until now. And also. If you want to do like some pandemic thing, you can only like use a very, you know, not a, a obvious way of showing what you think about this issue. <laughs> so basically, I think it's kind of like still sensitive to talk about these things in domestic in my hometown. Mm -hmm. But um, because I'm I'm not in China right now, <laughs> so I can talk it like freely and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So it's good to discuss that freely, right? The, the freedom there. <laughs> yeah, but 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 still, I, I have to go back to Shanghai this year. So yeah, I'll just back to there and uh, see how it goes right now. Are you going back to the for the design or like for the just the traveling? Oh yeah, because I'm re uh, releasing a new album in autumn time, in fall time. Uh, and um, I'm doing some like a uh, new collection for next year for preparing my showroom and fashion shows. So I'm just gonna return. Very yeah. cool. She does it all. You oh, know, sorry. Do it all. She does it all. Feminist. She does yeah. it all. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm energetic. <laughs> wow. Anyway, we I have one question yeah. from. Uh, she oh kitty are you in yeah I, I i just i want to remind i see this question as well <laughs> yeah yeah there is a question so um kushi asking how can fashion companies and individuals stay informed and educated about different cultures and their unique perspectives and practices I wow. think to be honest, I think it's really hard to know every single culture everywhere all the time. But for me, the best way to do it is to get to know people, you know, like um, especially because you guys are working in London or in New York, like you we get access to so many cultures, you know, and so many different people. Um but I think consuming content, like watching Netflix series, they're not only from America and the UK, you know, from other countries and um, just researching upcoming designers or artists, you know, that are from different cultures. Because usually if we don't consume our own, we are only consuming like American and UK in terms mm. of music, um, you know, TV, any type of entertainment, and even fashion, like, it's always, like, Europe, America, Australia as well, like, you know, but we we kind of lose a little bit of the other countries, so I think being curious, you know, it's hard, like, I think it's really hard to know everything, but if you're curious and open-minded, you can always find amazing artists from 
other countries, you know? And really, like, if you see, like, um, in Brazil, we have incredible fashion designers, incredible. And they work with natural materials and they do the most amazing um, craftsmanship, you know, but not many people know them. So, yeah, being curious, that's my advice, at least. That's how I do it. Um, I agree with you. And really, to be honest, I want to be a lovable person as Maria does right now. But I'm an aggressive person. So uh-huh. in my opinion, I'm going to say that uh, keep appropriate ignorance. Like you have to ignore something, then you can learn something. But I know I can embrace all of the kind of the culture and stay unique always. But if you can ignore something, sometimes you can be more unique. That's my opinion. Hmm. I love how this, like, you know, dynamic of these two speakers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's, that's interesting. But I, I will say, like, you know, I will, I love, like, watching um different, like, you know, Spanish soap operas or, you know, just because I love soap operas. But anyway, like, I just love, like, watching different things as well. But I just need to read those subtitles, which is, yeah. like, you know. Yeah. But, but I don't want to be like I, I want to be the same person as Maria does but I'm always <laughs> fighter you know I'm a feminist <laughs> fighter you know <laughs> well, you're a feminist but any well but you you manage to do it like even though you're like you know you have your you, yeah. you have your own way of like breaking yeah. it I'm yeah. always aggressive <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh. aggressive in a good way I'm sure thank you Right. Let's see if there's anyone else asking questions. We have one more. Um, apart from the incident Haoxing had with the braids, have you ever faced any other challenge because of your gender or cultural identity? Mm-hmm. How did you overcome it? Okay, so uh, this is another great question I want to discuss with. So um, although I'm a feminist, but I love boys. <laughs> so it's kind of like difficult for me to overwhelming my own issue with the kind of like different things and I'm doing like this for a very hard time for like gender things so basically I can give you an example about my friends so my friends uh he say he she is a transgender but he don't want to like say that he's a boy or she's a girl or something like that but when when he or she went into the club in Shanghai because there are some tricky rules about like oh, today girls were free into the club and boys have to pay some like tickets into the club so they can attract more boys into the club because of the girls are free, you know? And uh, because my friend is a transgender, which means he or she cannot be a boy or a girl into this club. So he or she are just like, is just like uh, part away from the door and the, the security said, oh, you cannot like go into the club because you are not a girl or a boy. So basically, into that thing, because I'm an aggressive person. So I'm just gonna 
like you know, standing in front of the door in the gate and talking loudly about the thing and、uh, just talk to the security and say you have to go out call your manager out. I'm gonna like have some strict discussion with that guy. <laughs> okay, so every time I'll just do that, and every time I think,、um, I know this kind of like it's not a calm and great way of solving the problem. I know this is not the best way, but sometimes society and world needs some people like me to aggressively solve some problems, like some in some extremely aggressive ways, so that more people can benefit from. Other things, because of some people like me, <laughs> yeah. You stand up for what you believe in. Yeah, I'm a fighter. <laughs> fighter, fight for the human rights. Well, you you're aggressive for a cause, so that's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's so many transgenders in、uh, in Thailand, and、mm-hmm. uh, I imagine like if they ever、mm-hmm. face that, like you know, getting into trouble because. It's so widely accepted here. I mean, legally they can't get like it's not legally accepted here because the law in Thailand is pretty old-fashioned. But culturally,、mm-hmm. we're very open.、Mm-hmm. So you know, you can see them working in like different places, or you know,、mm-hmm. just walk around like your friends, or you know, it's just very different. But you know, it, it's funny how like the the law doesn't allow them to like same-sex marriage, or you can they can't change their their first, you know, their their initials, and it's just like. Yeah, they're so hard. They have to cost a lot, lot to like transfer their genders. I think they're so great to do that kind of like thing. I cannot do that. So I, what I can do is just support them. Yeah, yeah. What we can do now is just basically like you know、yeah. promote them. We have a lot of like parades here in Thailand, just like fighting、uh-huh. for. Yeah, I know. Yeah, gender names and like identification. It's it's,、mm-hmm. hard, but it's growing fast here. It's、mm-hmm. it's. At least in in Thailand, for sure, because、mm-hmm. it's such a you know a strong community in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's see if there's any questions from the guests. Oh, same goes to you, Maria. <laughs> in terms of gender, yes, but in Brazil, <laughs> because we work like、um, with autom like seat belts come from the automotive industry, and we do we collect a lot of them in the community. But I also go to car mechanics.、Um, In the presentation, I didn't say that, but I do. I give、um, English lessons to the kids of the mechanics,、um, trading it for the seatbelts that we use. We pay them as well, but it's just another thing that we do to build the relationship. But in the beginning, they didn't—they didn't like me because I was a woman, you know, and they always. I don't know. They patronize me a lot, and they never understood. Okay, little girl, so you're gonna use、um, seat belts to to make bags? Like, 
Are you even, how are you gonna clean them? Can you carry them? You know, like they were always very patronizing with me because of it. Um, but the way I navigated, like I, I am a loving kind of person, but the way I navigated was, you know, to really be really nice, really polite and to start building that relationship and seeing what they needed. Like money, it wasn't, um, just money wasn't going to cut it if I really needed that help to build the, the supply chain. So I knew that teaching their kids English, especially because car mechanics in Brazil, they are very low income and they live in, in the slums, you know, they don't have um, that much money. And English in Brazil is such a big thing if you want to have good opportunities in life. So when I traded the seatbelts for English lessons, I really build that trust and gain that respect. Um, mm. So for me, I always like to prove people wrong and to see that they didn't think of me as someone strong, but actually I'm the one that helping their kids. Like um, one of the kids got a scholarship to do university in America. And I was the one that helped him like through all like the assessments, study for the, for the, oral and um you know the the written um tests and everything and in, in terms of cultural identity i i have been faced with uh, with prejudice in the fashion industry here in the uk um some people think that i work for my business partner um mm. i get that a lot you know which is you know like yeah, like they or they talk, they look just at my business partner, they don't look at me because they don't think I can speak English or they speak really slowly, you know. And um yeah, oh. it's it's something that happens with some people, they're more narrow-minded or never experienced someone from another culture. Um it's hard, but I don't take it to heart because I think that that's what happens when you are you have some sort of prejudice, you generalize a situation because of one bad experience or you know something that you read about a culture and what I do is try to prove they wrong so them wrong so prove that I'm intelligent that I can fully speak English and probably better than they can um and yeah to prove my worth you know or to show them my worth not to prove because I know but to show that I am an equal you know that's inspiring to hear like especially like us some um, international students and a lot of us like want to work abroad establishes our brands abroad and of course like it came into our mind like you know we're just very like how do we navigate this and just I yeah. guess we have to prove it wrong and prove our worth like I mean yeah. we know our worth but we just have to let them see it and yeah and it happened to me like with this major PR agency they wanted to do our PR. They do the PR for like huge, huge um, brands. And the woman was talking to me as if I was dumb because I was Brazilian. <laughs> and um, I was like, okay, so, you know, I really need to put my A game. But it, it does happen a lot when you come from a, a third world country. I think if I was Swedish, it wouldn't happen. But as a, a Latin, you know, it happens. And that's what you have to do, you know, show show them your show them that you are an equal in business, you know, that they come as you around. 
very good tips from you, Maria. Well, I'm glad I can help, hopefully. Yeah, well, I'm from Thailand. I get doubts all the time, like what I'm doing abroad. Like they even like check my passport like many times if I travel alone. It's like, you know, like wondering like if I'm going to like illegally immigrate or never come back because we're like a lot of Thais to like, you know, immigrate like abroad, like with a travel visa or something. So it, I like sometimes it's like I feel a bit offended and they're like, why are you like looking with your like glasses just to see like to verify my passport that seriously like I me mean, like come on you know but you know it is what it is we just have to prove them wrong yeah yeah that's it that's how we can do you know and break down the stereotypes like they think of Brazilian women they think of women that are prostitutes or gold diggers or you know um I get that a lot like I, especially when I was younger I used to get really upset um but it it's the reality and you know like you have to break down the stereotypes one of the things that i did that was important to me to and honestly i think that um if you want to be in business in the uk it's something yeah that for me was good was i started to really see the way that i was dressing myself to make sure that i would give an image of a powerful person so the way that I do my hair like the clothes that I wear everything that I can give um start with a first impression that is really powerful it really sets the tone as well mm. um I thought that that was really important especially when you're dealing with people in the fashion industry that are so high up you know like um when we went to like we went to the palace for dinner um I knew that I had to step up you know and yeah it's just like also body language you want to be authentic but you also want to to perceive yourself as someone that is a business person you know especially when you come from a third world country true sad reality but well we're fighting yeah. for yeah well we actually are running out of time just um we just need to wrap this up pretty soon but thank you so much um everyone to participate in this you know lovely discussions and definitely like very grateful for our speakers so much insightful information very useful from both of you and we'll take this lesson and just you know reflect and kind of grow from this and experience of discussing with you guys but thank you so much Thank you. It was a pleasure. I'm very grateful that you guys are honored to be amongst such amazing people. And you know that you guys thought of me for this webinar. Um, and anything that I can do to help each and every single one of you with the little knowledge that I have in the field, wow. just drop me a message. <laughs> on, it's true. Yeah. Just drop me a message on LinkedIn and I'll do everything that I can to, to support you guys. Thank you so much. Yes, all the participants, like please, please feel free to connect with our dear speakers here, you know, get connected. I definitely have you on LinkedIn already. I will just follow you on Instagram as well. Thank you so much, both of you. Thank you. All right. Have a good um weekend, everyone. Um I'm it's um still well the daytime in the <laughs> UK and America, but keep